Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Friday Night Dinner Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD. You can find her over at stephaniesarkis.com. How are you today, Steph? Great. How are you? Doing great, thanks. Uh, just recorded an episode. Recorded Nerds Love episode. Oh, yeah. oh jinx. Uh, now we can talk, right? This is so why we're such great co-hosts, because we just, our brains are synced up nearly perfectly. It's still a Everybody, welcome back to the Friday Night Dinner Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD. You can find over at stephaniesarkis.com. How are you today, Steph? I'm great. How are you? Doing great, thanks. Technology was not our friend for a bit, but we prevailed in the end. <laughs> and we have no idea what went wrong, but it's okay, because we're back. Yeah, we worked it out. Sometimes like when you're recording a podcast, things just pop up every so often. And the funny thing is, mm-hmm. is you'll never know when it happens. It just happens and you're just like, great, I got to deal with this. Right. And then whenever I comment on the Discord general setting, then everybody in the entire team gets the message. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I think funny. I sound like three of them <laughs> or five. <laughs> yeah. But it's I'm funny. very cognizant of the fact that Lee's getting the message and everybody else is getting the message. <laughs> My favorite is always when Lee always, because yeah, we have like a general text discord and every sunday without fail it's lee being like i'll be on in a sec grabbing coffee and it, coffee. it's, it's yeah. become a bit of an inside joke for our team because it's literally every sunday there's a message from lee saying go get grabbing my coffee right and then i remember i said to you hey did lee have his coffee in time and you're like no he's off this week <laughs> yeah because I didn't get the Sunday morning message. Huh? There was a legitimate concern because Lee did not mention <laughs> getting coffee. It's becoming a joke at my house. Like on Sunday, I'll just say to Michael, I'm like, Lee doesn't have his coffee yet. <laughs> like he even knows about Lee needing his coffee. <laughs> we actually, well, we have a coffee sponsorship on that other podcast. And I, I feel like we got that sponsorship mainly due to Lee's love of coffee. So do you guys talk about that on the show? Lee's coffee habit? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Oh, funny. Yeah. Wait, we have a coffee sponsor, don't we? Yes, we do. Sweet. Yeah. Is it Dragon, Dragonfly? Dragonfly Coffee. Which I, they still haven't sent me a, a, a sample. I want a sample. I want to try really? some. Really? Come on, Dragonfly. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm easy when it comes to coffee, but I probably like your coffee. Not going to lie. Which is a nice segue into this episode of Gilmore Girls, speaking of easy. Because there's some some rife misogyny on this episode. Yeah, there is. Boy, oh Because this episode's written by who? Tommy Kerr. Who wrote this episode? Daniel Palladino. That's right. Daniel Actually, Palladino. it says it was written. Oh, no. Never mind. It was the last episode. <laughs> you so wanted to be written by somebody else, don't you? No, I was looking no. at the, uh, the but not as cute as Pushkin episode. And I'm like, oh, no, this was written by Amy No, that's Amy yeah. Her husband, Daniel Sherman Palladino, wrote this episode. It does say so you know it was that... written by both of them. Oh, but... it was? Yeah, it says written by Amy Sherman and Daniel Palladino. But well, as our as our astute listeners can attest to, if it's written by Daniel Palladino, we're gonna have some stuff to talk about. 
Yeah, because he's he's not the most nuanced when it comes to writers, uh, <laughs> and it just becomes a bit problematic. Like there was a there was a point where there was like a commentary for an episode, and uh, they were talking about Emily, and like Amy Sherman was like talking about the nuances of Emily's character, and then Daniel says, "Oh, she's just a bitch," like. You know, I remember uh, hearing that. Yeah, not really. Like, there's more to Emily than just being a bitch. Like, but and you don't hear us say that about male characters, right? Yeah. Well, he would. So, yeah, he probably wouldn't recognize any problems with male characters. Like, he probably. I've thinks never. Yeah, I mean, not that I hear him talk all the time, but I've never heard him say anything like that about a male character. Yeah, I'd be curious what he thinks of Christopher, because <laughs> I'm like, Chris. And he's I, just been wronged, probably. Which we'll talk a lot about Christopher in this episode. Yeah. Oh, boy. Just, you know, I don't know. I still don't like Christopher, and I haven't liked Christopher for a long time, but it just gets worse. Just every time we see Christopher, I'm just like, but why? Why do we... You're you're Debbie Dan. You're trying to make your kid feel guilty for for not, you know, for, for, I guess, wising up to who you are, and you make her feel guilty for not wanting to have a lot of contact when you only contact her and her mother when you need something. Yes. Yeah. And he's also very, well, well, yeah, I mean, he's emotionally manipulative. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's manipulative as well, yeah. And I I notice he only has time for a certain amount of people in his life, and I find this true with a lot of narcissists. They only have time for, like, a certain number of people. And it's not unless they're angry or think one of those people is disloyal that they will let somebody into the fold. Like, they'll Mm. patch something up with somebody to bring somebody back in if they've they've, um, cut off somebody else. It's right. like they can only have a certain number of people in rotation. They have to get their narcissistic supply, and there's always a certain number of people. Mm-hmm. So you see, like, you know, Sherry's gone, so he comes back and starts, you know, sniffing around. And and, um, and then, you know, his dad dies, and so now he's open to having a relationship with Rory. And, you know, it's 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 so typical of what I see with narcissists. It's like there's there's somebody in rotation. Yeah. And they have, as soon as somebody leaves, somebody else fills that spot. So if you're getting along well with a narcissist, sometimes they'll pick fights. Because mm-hmm. they don't have room for you because they've just brought somebody back into their circle. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic interest. It could just be anybody. Yeah. That, you know, like family members, like if they're on the outs with their brother and then they, they make up with them, then, you know, all of a sudden they're picking a fight with you. And, you know, I don't know what that's about. That seems like they can only have a certain number of people. So that's the mental health part of this, which I'll also talk more about it later. But Yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't know. Christopher's just the character who I just... I don't know. I have a hard time. They're enabling him. Yeah. They're enabling him. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, just, I, just I, have, a, I have a hard time sympathizing with him. And uh, I don't know. Just, I, I think too, like, uh, this show kind of illustrates a lot too. of Like, people feel like with family that there's like a certain obligation to like get along with them. But the reality is, is like, you can try. You probably should. But at a certain point, you have to draw a boundary and like, good on Rory for trying to like draw that boundary but you know right. also shitty on Christopher for like not respecting for stalking her, at her at school yeah. oh yeah like he basically accosts her at school and it's like oh. outside her classroom I mean that's really obnoxious and yeah. you know she's 20 now I mean she's not the 16 that we met her at no so she's wised up to it knowing that he's kind of a fair weather dad you know he shows up when it's good for him or he needs something and she's figured that out and she's still somehow he still makes her feel guilty yeah, and then and then Lorelai enables him too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then lies to, and then they both lie 
to um, Luke about it. Mm-hmm. And and Rory backs her up. Like Lori, Lori, Rory makes a comment about, oh yeah, she was da 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 da, and and Lorelai instead of going, Rory, that's not true. Here's what actually happened. She goes along with Lorelai's or with Rory's lie. Yeah. And I don't know. That that's just. I mean, obviously being dishonest with your partner is not great, but just the weirdness of her kind of going along with it was just yeah it's just too much and not telling your kid yeah that's not appropriate because we know that rory already has issues with some honesty right and we rapidly i mean i've talked about last episode we see we're kind of seeing like a uh devolvement of their characters and this is another thing where they're actually kind of teaming up to to be dishonest towards luke Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah, so basically this episode kind of revolves a lot around uh, Christopher trying to make peace with Rory. She brushes him off, but... Uh, yeah, he doesn't let that go. Sorry? He doesn't let that go. He's no. gonna... Uh, yeah. Uh, and we find out that uh, Christopher's father passed away. Which, kind of interesting, because it seems like they never really got along. So I don't... like. I'm like, that... When you don't get along with someone, those can be some of the most complicated grief episodes or when you don't get along with somebody. Yeah. When you get along with somebody and you've kind of had a good relationship with them and you told them, you know, what you want to tell them while they were alive and you you don't have any regrets, grief is still hard, but it tends to be a little bit smoother. But when it's been a relationship where the other person was not accessible or they were sick or um, they were um, just distant or just mean, that can be some of the most complicated grief. Yeah. Because you're not only grieving over the person, you're grieving over what you what you wish they could have been and what your relationship you wish it could have been. Mm-hmm. And we also find out that Rory didn't only met him once. Yeah. Christopher's dad. It was probably at that dinner. Yeah. Didn't they, no, they didn't go to that dinner together. Well, remember when they... Um, no, they didn't go to the dinner together. Um, and, uh, remember when they had the flashback to when uh, Lorelai and Christopher were teenagers, the dad, and I don't know if the, I don't know if the mother went along with this, but the dad, Christopher's dad, the one that just died in the flashback, he was pretty adamant about her getting an abortion, I think. Yeah, sounds about right. And, and I don't know if that story's been told to Rory, maybe, or the, the grandparents made a concerted effort to not have contact with her. Or they tried to, and Lorelai was not interested in that. I it'd be really interesting to see like what was the I I don't know if they even get into this, but why did Rory not have a lot of contact with them? Yeah, was it through their choice, or was it that Lorelai tried to protect her from them? So, yeah, well, you know, we look at Emily and Richard, and like, yeah, Lorelai pushed them away, but like, even even though like Emily and Richard have some level of disdain for that, like they still do spend time with them. I get the impression that the other parents, they were probably like, eh, good riddance. Like, they, they could come mm-hmm. us. Well, because she she didn't want to marry Christopher, right? It wasn't that their yeah. solution? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it wasn't that they wanted her to get an abortion. I think it was, or maybe they, I can't remember now, but I know it was that they assumed they were going to get married or something, and he was going to work for his dad, right? Yeah. Or was he going to work for Richard? He's gonna work for his dad. Yeah, I think I he was think. gonna work for his dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
speaking of uh, Emily and Richard, they kind of reconcile a little bit in this episode after they're all because of a dog that they can't sex. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was pretty funny. What? what? Okay, these are two reasonably smart people. They can't figure out what sex the dog is. And Richard goes back and forth like this is like a, a joke that is like it's it's played out like way too long. <laughs> How can you, how can you not tell what gender a dog is? I know the dog is furry. Yeah. But usually there's something protruding but, when, and there's one that, that doesn't have something protruding. So you can typically figure it out pretty quick. You can quick. typically kind of figure it out, right? Yeah. But not Richard. No. Not Emily. I think it goes to show that they kind of need each other though. That's kind of how I took it. Like, yeah, it seemed a little silly that they couldn't identify the sex of a dog. But at the same time too, like. I don't know. I kind of seem like they're both kind of like a little bit hopeless without each other. So. Yeah, I think they become dependent on each other. Whether yeah. Whether that's good or bad. Um, but then you've got the scene where Emily's inside the house looking at the dog and she says, what is it to Richard who's outside? And it's just like, what do you mean? What is, what is it? It's a dog. Like, how do you not know what that is? So there's, yeah. there's almost like this like feigned helplessness that they kind of help each other out with and she's like don't get too close and the dog is just like whatever dude i'm cold i just want to go in <laughs> yeah. yeah like i just want to like get inside right so i could see where they have like this kind of mutually like lost kind of thing to each other yeah do you know what i mean like they have to they have to need each other yes. which i'm not saying that's healthy uh, i think in this case i don't mind it because in my mind <laughs> i think like they probably need the help but I don't know. Right. Um, there's a lot that was going on in this episode, though. There was also the Stars Hollow reenactment where Kirk becomes a substitute whore. Uh, which And oh. the men of the town, the older men of the town, are sitting around wondering what they should call this person. And it was never discussed that this person traded money for sex. You know, it was yeah. never discussed this person was a sex worker. They were saying that, that she... Like kept the you know soldier or the uh, lieutenant busy, but they start going around trying to guess what name they should call her, and I thought that was terribly misogynistic. But again, let's look at when this was aired. Yeah. And then Luke gets in on and says, "Oh, you mean a hooker?" And I'm thinking, but that never, it was never part of the conversation. This person was paid for this. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised that that Luke said that because he generally doesn't show misogyny. I thought that was kind of out of character for him to say that. It did seem a little out of character for him, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, although the image of Kirk and all that makeup and dress was pretty funny, and the reaction that I got was pretty funny. He didn't look bad. He looked pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> it's just pretty funny. And then the fact that they all they him and um, what's his name, the older man. Um, Taylor. Joseph. Yeah, they go into that room together and everyone's like, what are they doing in there? Um, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then also, too, there's a weird thing about Lorelai just not liking snow, and that got annoying for me. I put first performance because I thought the thing with snow just like went way over the top. Yes. But again, that has to do with what she was given to read, too, I think. I, I think she has the capacity to make it interesting, but I don't think she did. Like, I, I, I think, think there could have been a little more. Uh, like, 
yeah, it's partially on the writers, but I also kind of felt like it was on her, too. Like, she could have made mm. it more interesting. Mm-hmm. I can but, see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. And the big thing is, I guess, mental, well, I guess mental health observation-wise is that, yeah, for me, one of the big things with that, uh, the, they, they kind of perpetrated this lie about what was going on. I think they know that Luke shouldn't find out about her hanging out with Christopher, but at the same time, too, like, it's just, it's making things worse by lying, so. Do it's not a- have a good track record of having open communication in their relationships. No. And it really kind of surprised me that Lorelai went ahead and went with Rory's thing of, oh yeah, she was with me, or whatever the lie was. Yeah. And instead of, instead of using it as a teaching moment and role modeling appropriate communication, Lorelai just goes with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that, I, I, I was like, ooh, that's not good. And then you see what a nice guy Luke is, how much he loves her by putting in this ice rink because that's what his dad did for him. Mm-hmm. And she's just toodling along like, no problem. Yeah. Okay. Um... Yeah, what was your favorite and least favorite performance? I think you talked about your least favorite being Lorelei. Least, least favorite was Lorelai, and I liked Luke, except okay. for the thing where he, about the hooker thing. I thought yeah. overall, um, I really liked how he was at the end of the episode. Like when I, when you see, and then about the snow when she was going on a rant, you can it looked like he was the more seasoned actor, mm-hmm. which is pretty amazing considering that he didn't have any acting experience before this. Yeah. This is his first acting job, just like Alexis Bledel. So, so, how about you? Who are your worst and best? Uh, I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break the rules. I'm gonna give a three-way tie Ooh. for worst performance because ah. <laughs> there's a lot of bad ones. I didn't like Richard. I didn't like Emily, and I didn't like Lorelai. All three of them were terrible. Oh yeah, and like all three of them. Wow, yeah. I think that's yeah. the first time we've had Richard and Emily as worst. I'm just gonna put. I can't. I can't decide which. They're all not great. So I'm just gonna say. Was it? Tie. Were they too hammy? I mean, was that kind of? It, yeah, like it felt like I don't know. It didn't feel like a sincere reconciliation. It kind of felt like it was just awkwardly handled. I felt felt like it could have been done a lot better. And then yeah, Laura like just going on and on and on about the snow. Just after a while, it's just like. Just stop. <laughs> it just stop. It was she was doing it for not Luke, but the invisible audience. Yes. Uh, and then I don't know. Best. There wasn't a whole lot of great performances. In this, yeah, I, no. I did like Kirk. Um, who uh, spoilers for my favorite line, uh, was when he says, "My girlfriend's the horror." Right. Like, oh yeah, he's all excited. Yeah. Yeah. Just one of those says, like, moments. Where mm-hmm. the it just goes right over his head, just right over his head. He has no idea what He's that just means. Happy. Yeah, Lulu got the big part. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll say Kirk because he has some good laughs in this episode and some good liners. And how is the custom made dress that Lorelai sewed for Lulu? How is it able to fit Kirk beautifully, even think- though Lulu looks like she's like you know three or four inches shorter than he is? Do you think he adjusted it? I don't so you can like take things out but you can't take like if you already are small and somebody puts on the dress and they're bigger you can't you can kind it depends on how much you have in the seam to let it out this is all sewing stuff 
Yeah. But it's possible, but I don't know if he could have done it that quickly. Mm. And it didn't sound like Lorelai did it, so he would have had to take it somewhere to get it fixed. So it's possible he got it altered. Yeah. It just depends. It, was there enough extra fabric for him to do that? And I don't know how much seam allowance mm-hmm. Lorelai has. This is getting into really nerdy sewing talk. But, right. um... So it's it, it with the amount of time that that Kirk didn't have, it would surprise me if he was able to alter it that quickly. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, so, and for some reason I paid attention. I'm like, wait a second, it's fitting him differently, or it's not. You think? I mean, maybe that'd be part of the humor if he put on Lulu's dress and it just was fitting really awkwardly, like if mm-hmm. it came up to like the middle of his legs or something. Yeah, that could have been part of the humor, but they didn't go there for some reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, favorite reference from this episode. Do you have a favorite reference? I didn't really, but there is one that's kind of interesting. So they keep talking about how this dog is a long-haired Jack Russell. The term is actually um, rough coat. So there's not... So Michael and I went to the AKC dog show in Orlando okay. over the holidays. So we were surrounded by... All... I've never been surrounded by so many dogs that I did not pet because you can't really like just pet them but it's a it's a rough coat jack russell okay not a long haired jack russell and they usually don't look like that like usually you see them as like the what was the movie with the jack russell in it there's a really well-known movie it's a kid and a jack russell which is probably like 10 movies but they usually are trimmed differently so they don't look like that but it's a rough haired jack russell that's my only comment because i couldn't find any other real references that stuck out mm-hmm. usually it's chock full of them but i didn't really how about you uh for references um yeah uh there's like a tony kushner reference so yeah who is that uh he was like a well he is a author and playwright so oh yeah he um he worked with uh steven spielberg on a lot of stuff from like munich and lincoln and west side story the movie that came out last year so Oh, see, it sounded somewhat familiar, but then I, I thought, no, I'm getting confused with Tony Robbins. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry? So, yeah. what is it? Tony Kushner. Okay. Yeah. I only know that. See, now with this year's Oscars, I bet we're going to hear his name more because West Side Story, I bet, is going to get nominated for something. Yes. Uh, that's the thing, because he, he got uh, nominated for both Munich and Lincoln, so he'll probably get something for oh. West Side Story. So, ah. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, like he was also like a pretty active um protester back in his university days. Really? So Huh. Yeah. Uh and I think he also got like a National Medal of Arts from Obama, if I'm not mistaken. So Okay, now I feel like totally uncultured. I don't know what this dude is. Uh, Tony Tony oh, Kushner. Tony K U. K-U-S-H-N-E-R. Oh, when you type in Tony K-U, he's the second listing on Wikipedia. There you go. Oh, he looks kind of familiar. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and he won a Tony Award for Best Play for Angels in America. And yeah. then he adapted in the miniseries. Huh. And he won a Pulitzer Prize for drama. There you go. And um, he got National Medal of Arts from Obama. Good memory. Yeah. And he protested. Look at you. And he's a clarinetist. Oh, wait. No, that's his dad. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Fair. Um. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, it was a. I mean, it was kind of a weird reference. I don't know how many people are gonna get it. Like, 
I think he's arguably more popular now, but I'm like, was he that popular back then? Probably not, but. He uh, had a movie that came out around that time. Oh, that's Because when was it. he nominated? Oh, because he was nominated for Walt Munich. He was, um, what? It was Munich and, so Munich in 2005, he was nominated for an Academy Award for, mm. like you mentioned. So I wonder if he was kind of in the news around that time. Probably, yeah. Because so. the next nomination was in 2012. Mm-hmm. So I bet you there was something in the news about him. Right. Uh, right. Um, let's see here. Um, oh, uh, favorite quote. I already said mine, which is Kirk saying, my girlfriend's the whore. But what was your favorite line? Mine was Richard saying, we have a pool house for stray dogs. And then he realized that that was kind of a skewer from from Emily. Because guess who's living in the pool house? Yeah. Richard. Yeah, he picked up on that pretty quick. Yeah, and I was like, oh, she's so quick. Mm-hmm. It's not you don't even know you've been insulted. Yeah. Yeah, no, and especially with, coming from Emily, too. Somebody who, uh, yeah, so... Uh, right. uh, let's see. Um, behind the scenes trivia. If there's any for this episode, there's got to be some for this episode. I feel like let's pull it up quickly here. Uh, nope, no trivia. Nothing of note. Nothing of note. Nope. The mental health wise. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say yeah. I'm sure there's some mental health stuff to talk about. I'm sure. Yeah, well, we have Christopher showing up unannounced at Rory's dorm. And then when that doesn't work out, like, he basically admits that didn't work out the way I wanted it to. So I'm going to show up outside your door in class. So she can't get away from him because there's a bunch of people around. Um, I thought that was kind of poor judgment on his part because she's made it very clear that she doesn't want contact. And he also isn't direct with her about his dad being sick. Mm-hmm. Or how sick he is. And he even tells Rory, well, I kind of veil, I think he used the word veil. I kind of veiled like how sick he was. And Rory still blames herself. And instead of Lorelai kind of saying, you know, well, you didn't really know him. You only met him once and it's okay. I, I thought the way that she didn't really comfort Rory that much. In fact, she's like, well, I'm just driving behind you mm-hmm. at his house. So, and there's really no discussion about, you know, it's all of a sudden, I guess, Rory has this guilt about something that she's not responsible for. So then she doesn't get upset with Lorelai for going to his house unannounced, which Mm -hmm. prior to this, a couple episodes ago, she would have been apoplectic, right? Because she was already angry about Christopher kind of barging into their lives again. Yeah. You know, so, and then we see like Rory the next day, Rory's talking about this, like everything's fine. Yeah. I thought that was a very interesting turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you find that it seems like, you know, Rory put up good boundaries with Christopher. Christopher kind of plows through them. And then she's made to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. And then and then I would have hoped that Lorelai would have been a little more, you know, like direct about this is not your problem. Mm-hmm. Like he hasn't really come around that much. No. But then you see that she kind of goes to take care of him, too. Yeah. Yeah, she does. So there's some enabling going on. There's that kind of codependent relationship going on between Christopher and Lorelai um, that I think Lorelai needs to be needed by him 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, eventually he's, he runs into some issue and he starts coming around, whether that he doesn't have a job or uh, Sherry left or, you know, so, and he plays the victim a lot. He's got this covert narcissist thing to him that he, it's like the world's done him wrong. And yeah. he needs to like fill that spot with somebody, and so he picks his kid or Lorelai. And I don't blame Rory for putting her foot down with him. Yeah, but, but she, again, he's going to force the issue. Hmm? Yeah, she recognizes that it's not a healthy relationship because so. now she's twenty and she realizes that it was his choice to not be around as much. Yeah, he chose to do that, and, even and he... now it's kind of being turned around. And Lorelai, you know, I would hope that she would support Rory more and say, and need to set some limits with him. Well, even when he does come back, he just manages to, for the most part, just disrupt the lives of people around him. Right. Is... He's, he, like, just throws everything in the air and then just leaves. Yeah. Right. Which is why, like, you know, for all the different reasons why you probably don't like Christopher, that's the main one for me is, like, he really is just this pure embodiment of a disruption. Like, he comes in right. and he disrupts everything. Even when you yeah, think I about can... it in the context of this season, right? We have yeah. Luke and Lorelai. They're doing well. Everything's going well. And then here comes Christopher to just throw everything into the air and see where it lands. And I see why they use it. I mean, it's a good plot device for shaking things up. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, come on, really? We have to bring Christopher back again? Yeah. It's just... You know? It, it's like, let's try something else because Christopher's, you know, not doing it. <laughs> you know? But, and I'm like, Laura, like, come on. Like, she acts like, you know, and then the next day she acts like, she, it's almost like she didn't make a choice to drink with Christopher. You know, like, there's kind of this yeah. thing where she's like, well, he was drinking and then I had, you know, it's like she, she's not taking responsibility for behavior. Mm-hmm. Which is really setting a bad example for Rory. Yeah, 100%. I mean, did you get that impression, too, that she was just kind of playing it off like she didn't mean to drink and she, you know... Uh, it just seemed like she wasn't taking responsibility for it. I don't know if she wasn't taking responsibility for it. Uh, I kind of feel like she was just so disappointed by herself, maybe. Like, that's kind of the vibe I I can got. see that. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, here's the thing. She had that whole thing planned out and everything was doing pretty well. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Well, and the other thing is, like, she went on and on about having a hangover. I'm like, okay, we get it. You have a hangover. Yeah. It was almost like she was kind of bragging about it. A little bit, yeah. And I and I know, again, that's the writing, but I was like, come on, really? It's like she kept going on and on. And I know that that's kind of a thing that they do is they have her, like, beat something to death. Yeah. But it seemed like it was overdone. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it's time to rate this episode. I give it a four. I thought I didn't really, I didn't like the character development. I thought the dog thing, I thought the dog was cute, but I was like, come on, you don't know how to, <laughs> to figure out what sucks the dog is. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a lot of extra stuff. And I think it doesn't help that I know that Daniel Sherman Palladino or David, David Palladino, Daniel Palladino rather wrote this. <laughs> so um, the, all the misogynistic talk bothered me. So this is not one of my favorite episodes. I thought that there was a lot of stuff that they could have done without, and it would have been a better episode. Yes. Um, no, That's I... That's the most I've ever given, by the way, I think. Yeah, and here's the thing. Like, 
I know there's a lot of people who will argue, and I'm not going to necessarily disargue with them on this or argue against them on this, but people will say, oh, seasons five, six, and seven are kind of go downhill. I do think there is some good stuff. And I think, if anything, what I like about season five is that there is a little bit more drama and there's a little bit more payoff on these relationships that we've had for a while. Like, yes, we know Christopher has been around for a while, but now you're starting to see a bit more of like that kind of toxicity to his relationship, which I kind of like, but I think even exposing that kind of, yeah, like I kind of like that the show is starting to explore these things a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I don't think it balances the humor and everything as well as previous seasons. Like, this season mm-hmm. so far hasn't felt as fun as some of the other episodes. It's getting a little dark, kind yeah, of. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. And not to say that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I, I do th- kind of appreciate more of the seasons where things are more balanced. But um, I think, if anything, this is just uh, setting up some more drama down the road. And I just think, like, it, when you kind of take away that stuff, because really it's building up to more, like... Yes, we found out that uh, Lorelai's not being honest to Luke about Christopher. So that's definitely not going to go too well if right. Luke finds out. Right. Uh, you know, Laura or uh, Rory is starting to kind of like uh, become like a little disillusioned with a lot of things. And she's kind of getting a little rebellious in some ways, too. Like, um, you know, like she saw this whole thing unravel with this girl. And like, I don't know, it was interesting to see it for her. She just seemingly was yeah things were not going her way and she was starting to kind of lose that control and when she doesn't have that control she starts to freak out even further and do even Mm -hmm. worse things uh and then yeah christopher's just being christopher (laughs) but and uh, she accepted the blame for it which i mean i would say you know what i don't have control over someone that's that's 17 yeah i mean you know like i can do my best but still i was not hired to be a babysitter I would yeah, just yeah said, you like, should keep an eye on her, but hmm? I would have just said she's seventeen years old. Like, not to say she's like you know probably the most responsible person in the world, but she should be responsible enough that she can take care of herself. So, right, um, right. But, but Rory accepted the the blame for that, and I don't know if I really heard Lorelai say, "Hey, you, you can only do so much." Yeah, it would have been nice for Lorelai to kind of defend her and go. Um, you know what? That's not okay that they were blaming you for something. Yeah. Like the headmaster really came down hard on her, I remember. Yeah. Well, I remember he was being like kind of coy, like, how's she doing? And then like he knew what was going on. But he was I just thought playing... that was really inappropriate for yeah. him to kind of trap her because what obligation does she have to the school anymore? I just have a very personal annoyance when people do that, when people don't just say yeah. stuff like that. Like when they Especially know. Especially when it involves me missing. Yeah. Stuff like that, like, just just tell me. Don't play games. Right. I'm not, so when he was doing that to Rory, I got kind of annoyed, but it was more just a personal annoyance because I hate when people do that. That was, tri- that was triggering for me. Yeah. Because that's something narcissists do. You know, we get yeah. back to mental health. That's something narcissists do. They love nothing more than to catch you squirming. Mm-hmm. When they know what's happened. It's a, it's a form of manipulation. Yeah. Because um, what was he going to get out of that except power knowing that she was lying to him? Yeah, exactly. Because she's afraid of him on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and when you take out all this stuff, 
you're left with an episode that largely doesn't have much. I mean, take right. away all the lead up and all that stuff mm-hmm. to these other storylines that we're going to inevitably right. uh, build up to. And then you just have stuff like Lorelai complaining about the snow. And I'm like, like not that exciting there was quite a bit of filler yeah there wasn't yeah. enough fun in this episode i think because i know a lot of people watch this for comfort food yeah and i think there was there it was kind of dark it was yeah it did feel that way so okay uh so other than that we really liked it <laughs> yeah i i i'd give it let's see gosh i'm gonna give it a three out of ten I didn't like this wow, episode. Wow, okay, you ran on the same page with me. Okay. Yeah, I just think this is a pretty bad episode. It's just, mm-hmm. it's there's not a lot going for it. When you take out the stuff that we're not going to get payoffs on for a while, it just leaves you with this kind of, it arguably just not good subplot of Lorelai not liking snow. There needed to be right. a storyline that was a little more substantial in this, or some more payoff for things. Um, right. Like if anything, they should have saved the Doyle. And Paris getting together for this episode. I think this is it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's almost like they crammed in a lot of stuff in that yeah. episode. And this one was kind of like whatever they had left over in the writer's room. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I kind of feel that way a little bit, too. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. So the lowest score you've ever given an episode. And, and true to form, you're usually about one number higher than I am. So. Yeah. Oh, wait. No. So you said three, right? And I said four. Yeah. So I think we're actually like flipped a little bit. Oh, I'm saving my lowest scores for season seven. That's gonna be. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, you warned me about season seven. I remember. Yeah, season seven gets pretty bad. And again, I don't want to totally dunk on season seven because there are some good episodes and some good subplots, but there are some that are just like, oh my gosh, it's it's. So a lot. when did Amy Sharon Palladino? She left the show at some point. At right? the end of season six. Ah, uh, is that when everybody's saying like season seven is when it kind of went off the rails? Yes, because it wasn't written by her or Daniel for that matter, which in some ways kind of, I mean, the lack of Daniel in a season is also kind of, is in a way nice, but uh, yeah, it, it's, yeah. We don't it, have any problems with Daniel. No, <laughs> no. Well, when we get to season seven, I think it'll be, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's just, there's some weird choices made in that season that. So it's like they didn't read the show Bible? Is that kind of like what happened? I think it's like it's like somebody driving a car, but there's no driver there. It's just... So it's a self-driving car. Yeah, it's, it's, except it's like nowhere. a mild disaster because nobody... I don't know. Like It just seems like... I'm sure Amy was driving that car. She was the steward of all of it. And then you lose her, and then it's these people just driving around in circles because they don't know where they're going. That's what it feels uh, like to me. It's gotcha. Just, yeah. I don't know what you're saying, yeah. So I look forward to it. I look forward to looking at that train wreck of a season with you. Yeah. And then there's a year in the life, which a lot of people don't like year, a year in the life, but I don't mind it. I There's a lot of stuff I like in that. So, so Amy Sharon Palladino came back for that, right? Yes. Because isn't to... it supposed to be something like this is what should have happened like within the year after they left? <laughs> I think she said something like this is the this is the season she would have written or something. Yeah, as which, a follow up. We'll we'll get to that because yeah, there's some interesting things to bring up in that. But uh, can't yeah, wait. yeah, We've got an exciting 2022 ahead of us. Um, yes. yeah, Steph is over at stephaniesarkis.com. Guest lighting is her book, and talking brains is our other podcast. And I'm over at threeingreeners.com. Almost every other day, we have new content going up. And with that said, we'll see you all next time. Bye for now. Bye.